0: Ground control to major... Oh, hey, hey, sorry. This is Eric Wright of the Disco Posse Podcast. And the reason why we started in that fun little way is because this is a great conversation with Tyler Browder, who's the CEO and co-founder of Kubos. They are doing really, really cool stuff around creating cloud-based mission control software. So this is like the nerd heaven for me as a space fanatic and a startup fanatic and also just... Tyler's just such a great human. We talk about Kubos, we talk about the approach to the problem they're solving, why it's so unique and how they got to this level, the pivots of the company, their background to some of their open source work, and also techmail, really, really great stuff that Tyler worked with around incubation in uh, the area. So anyways, let's just listen. This is actually a really great conversation. Tyler's a, a super, super cool guy. But in the meantime, let's make sure that you also help to make this podcast grow and continue to bring these amazing conversations. Number one, you can head on over to our YouTube channel, go to youtube.com forward slash Disco Posse Podcast. Click on subscribe and uh, and make sure you get signed up. Hit a, hit a like button, do all those things, because we're now launching simultaneously on video and audio, really, really fun. Beyond that, of course, head on over to make sure you support your data, because your data needs to be protected. And the only way to make sure that that's going to happen is to get everything you need for your data protection needs with our fine friends at Veeam Software. Veeam have been huge supporters of the podcast, and I love it because I actually trust the platform. I trust the product. I'm literally married to the company. So very, very cool. Uh, But if you want to do that, it's easy. Go to vee.am forward slash Disco Posse. They've got a really wide array of stuff to cover you from cloud to on-premises to cloud native. With AWS Reinvent around the corner as I'm recording and and publishing this, there's going to be a ton of really great stuff around there. So become an AWS Backup Hero. Head on over to vee.am forward slash Disco Posse. And of course, speaking of protecting yourself in space and in transit, protect your data in space. Go to tryexpressvpn.com forward slash Disco Posse. Make sure that you ensure that privacy is a human right. And I believe that it is. So do that. Go to tryexpressvpn.com forward slash Disco Posse. Get signed up. I'm a fan. I'm a user. Oh, and get Diabolical Coffee, diabolicalcoffee.com. All right, let's get to the good stuff. This is Tyler Browder from Kubos.
1: My name is Tyler Browder. I'm the CEO of Kubos. We build uh, mission control software for spacecraft operations. And you are listening to Disco Posse Podcast.
0: This is really cool, Tyler. I want to thank you for, first of all, doing what you do as a fan of things that leave the Earth. I uh, I really enjoy, you know, when I saw your your name come up, I thought, oh, all right, we're in we're in a cool space, literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, for folks that are new to you, Tyler, do you want to give a quick intro, a bit of a bio? We'll talk about Cubos. We'll sure. talk about you, what you're doing, what the team's doing. Oh, this is it. And I feel like yeah. I should have like acoustic guitar playing Major Tom as we're going through it. People will get why what that reference is about in a few minutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we, we, there's a lot to the cover there. No. So let's start with Cubos. Cubos. Um, is a software company, right? We, uh, we live in a hardware world, though. Space is dominated by, by hardware, right? As, uh, you know, people did not get in this space to put little bits and bytes into space. They got in to build you know, a physical thing and launch it and, and then communicate with it. But uh, we, we decided to come at a different angle. Um, and so we built a product called Major Tom, which is a mission control software for spacecraft. Um, so it lives on the ground. It's a cloud application that we use to uh, track our satellites, to understand the data coming down from the satellites, and then tell the satellites what to do. Right. So it's a it's the primary tool once the satellites in orbit that people use to communicate and understand their satellite. Right. So it's a pretty critical not the not the beat on this mission critical piece of uh, software that. that um, you know, it's a window that, that customers use to understand their spacecraft. So um it's um it's a lot of fun. We don't actually send anything to space because we're on the ground side, right? I we're listening that. back from it. Uh but we're pretty close. Um and uh Yeah. You know, my my background though, you you asked about is um you know, I got quite a a um a non traditional background into aerospace. So you know, most aerospace professionals get into the business because they dream to being an astronaut, or uh, something along those lines. And they, it was a passion from early on, no one stumbled into aerospace by accident, <laughs> uh, except for me. Uh, and So my background is primarily like in um, just entrepreneurship, business development. Um, I grew up in an entrepreneur family. Um, and so uh, done healthcare. I've done uh, music industry. Done property rental companies, uh, and I got an opportunity. I, I, I became friends with a guy who was a software engineer who had worked in space, and he was looking to start a new company, and he needed someone to handle kind of the business aspects of the of the uh, of the new venture, and he would handle the technology, and uh, yeah, that's. That's how, and I said, yes, I didn't know what a satellite was. I didn't, under, I was never like a big space, uh, you know, kid growing up. I didn't dream of being an astronaut. I dreamed of being a rock star. And um, so, yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to stumble into the industry.
0: One would say that these days they're one in the same, you know, you, 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 see the way they do the walkouts, you know, it's, oh, yeah. it's not unlike a WWE, you know, you just expect someone to be walking with a flag and people cheering. And it's, uh, it's amazing to think of just the amounts that's going on with, you know, both commercial and, and public, you know, uh, sector stuff that's happening in, in space. And then the private sector, there's an an untold number of things that are going on in this area of development that are almost they used to be more hidden, but now, I mean, let's just let's just say it, right? Elon Musk made it kind of cool to really sort of push the envelope and, and make it a more of a spectacle to observe and enjoy that we are doing this incredible development in the world of space. And then we start to see what people are doing with like the CubeSat side of the world and and all these small commercial stuff and almost hidden behind that too is that's amazing. But what we're doing with the technology that we're putting there is even more amazing, right? So this is why mission control mission critical is big because it's not just about getting it up there. It's about we're building systems on this technology Mm -hmm. That require us to now treat it like this is big. I mean, this is yeah, really, really amazing. Yeah,
1: there's there's a lot of different ways you could go with that from the from the industry standpoint. You know, historically, space has been a government playground, right? Like, the only governments were had the resources uh, and the appetite to go after it, uh, and that's all obviously changed, right? Uh, and that's good, but that's that's created quite this like. Change in uh, cultures in the industry, you know, government run programs were very secretive. It was all about national security. And so there was this culture of not talking publicly about what we're doing, except for a very select few, you know, propaganda type things uh, or big name things. Elon has definitely done his uh, he's done more than his share to to move the industry into the public light. Um, and so we're seeing this really interesting you know when you get down into it and talk with people you know there's still this culture of, of keeping things quiet uh, not talk about what we're doing and there's other people who are trying to fall in line of what Elon done and talk about uh, their projects and be very vocal and you know and so we've seen that from a lot of different really interesting angles uh, but on the technology side you know when it was a government program, they were, um, everything was really special, right? They, they, everything was custom built to achieve one objective and up and down the stack, everything from the spacecraft all the way down to deliver the data, uh, including mission control. It was a very custom program that was designed just for the operation of that particular spacecraft. It could not be transferred. Um, you know, what QSATS have done is, is give us some standardization um And allowed us to build more in bulk, right, and build more spacecraft than we ever thought. Instead of really big crafts, we got lots of little ones. And so, the well, way we really like to position our product is that we're we're an infrastructure play, right? Every um, every piece of machinery <laughs> in space has the the uh, same core components. They all need power, right, the battery solar panels, they all need um, a computer of some sort to control. Uh, and they all need a, um, a radio, they need to be able to communicate back to Earth. And then they need some way to do whatever it is they're wanting to do, right. And that's where all the custom stuff comes out there's a camera, the pictures or if it's some sort of sensor measuring some sort of data in the atmosphere, or whatever. And so what we focus on is the generic part? So the radio, the the computer, the battery power, the what they call the telemetry of the spacecraft bus, uh, as opposed to the actual payload. We so we don't enter. We don't have um, our platform does not support uh, payload data. So that image you know, image processing, we don't do that. That's uh, what our customers want to do. That's their secret sauce, right? That's why they built the spacecraft to begin with. But we handle the the satellite operations itself the health of status, where it is, uh, where it's going, uh, communicating to the payload to take a picture over Cairo next Tuesday, whatever the command is. And so we facilitate that whole communication chain to the spacecraft.
0: And you're doing it in, speaking of public, in the open. The fact that you've actually open sourced a lot of the work, there's a lot of interesting things. I'd love to get your... Your take on on what stuff is very sort of community world driven, and and how much is is interior special sauce, even in you know what Major Tom and 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 such is is delivering.
1: Yeah, so uh, it's a it's a great question. Uh, so I think actually to answer that question, I have to back up a little bit. Uh, so when we started Cubos, we actually started uh, with a different focus. We were focused on flight software, uh, basically creating the operating system of the actual spacecraft. Um, And that product was called CubeOS, and it is open source and it was very much modeled after the Android operating system. Um, And so we would have a Linux kernel. We had middleware that we built and then a bunch of APIs so that customers could build their own custom applications on the spacecraft uh, to do whatever they're trying to do. It was hardware agnostic. We could really shift around, We went to bus providers or satellite manufacturers and got them to distribute it. Uh, And we built that all in the open. We had an open source community. We had uh, the code was all open source. we did that for a couple of reasons. One, we believed in that. That was kind of the ethos of where my partner, who was a software engineer, came from. I uh, came from you know Mozilla and uh, Red Hat and big open source commercial companies, um, and so that was part of who he was as a person. Uh, but also, the, the truth is, from a uh, from an export control standpoint, by making it open source, we got around a lot of the export requirements. Uh, of the software and we could distribute it without having to verify who was using it or, Uh um, you know, having to, to keep tight controls around that. And that was as a small company, that was, that was a really heavy burden to do the export control. Uh, and so open sourcing has gave us a weight around that major Tom, um, we shifted to that last year heavily. Um, and major Tom is actually not open source. Uh, it is just a web application that we control the source code. Um, and there was a couple of different reasons for that and why we've done all that. And we can get into that if you like. But, uh, you know, just for clarification, but Tom actually is not open source. Um, and the, our previous product, uh, CubeOS, uh, is it still exists. It's still there being used by people today.
0: Yeah. And that's what I, I wanted to, to sort of show that interesting split of the line I've I do a ton of work in the open source communities and a lot of different ones, and I'm a huge proponent for open source and open communities, Mm -hmm. but I also recognize the challenge in running a business and and also, I mean, commercializing on open source. There's a lot of real challenge around, you have to, at some point, add opinion into software. You have to have an opinionated approach and it's really hard to do in a purely 100% open community. And there's a lot of great proponents for, what well, they call it cost, right? Commercial open source. And then open core is another one. It's hilarious because you've got these little like, you know, occupy open source, you know, occupy mm-hmm. open core. Like there really are like hardened, uh, you know, really strong minded leaders in these specific types of communities and they're all sort of arguing over who's more open who's more devopsy like there's all of these like things and in the end while that's going on we're trying to run a business to employ people to get commercially viable software out there that can then you know power other companies and and deliver this this is why you know, inside Major Tom, there's probably open tools amongst it, but sure. nothing wrong with, in my mind, let's, the, the front end needs to be purely opinionated, pragmatically built, and delivering to solve specific problems.
1: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. Yeah, sure. Inside of Major Tom, we do have open source elements. I, I'll be honest, I, I don't know exactly all of those. I won't name them, but we we do use them, right? And I think most companies, software companies use open source at some level, right?
0: Everybody uh, thought we're, they we're, didn't until there was Heartbleed. That was like one of the most hilarious yeah. things for like, you know, ah, that'll teach you open source people to use open source <laughs> stuff. And it's like Heartbleed. And then all of a sudden, like 12 hours later, cisco microsoft vmware like every major company was like you need to patch your stuff and they're like what why i thought we were using <laughs> commercial software we're like well guess what it's built on open source software <laughs> yeah right right yeah no
1: exactly well so you know the problem with i completely agree with you that we still have to make viable businesses that employees and, and that generates revenue so that we can uh, you know hire people and have economy and all these things right but um the problem we had uh, with open source in our industry is we were selling support contracts. So that was our main business model is you would use our platform, uh, our software and we would sell you support. And that works really great for a Red Hat, but uh, that, that really is a challenge for us. So we were going after companies that were building uh, large uh, uh, constellations. So they wanted to launch a lot of satellites, hundreds of satellites. Um, and then we're gonna use our software on all their spacecraft. Awesome. Let's do that. Um, so for the first satellite, they happily paid us for support. And we would support them through it. we build some, uh, uh, you know, port it to their hardware if we need to. we do some services in there to, um, you know, generate revenue. And we were successful. we launched some satellites on it. And then they would be ready for their next second, third, fourth spacecraft. And they're going to build them. They're going to try to increase the, the speed the scale of it and bulk up a little bit. Uh, and we had taught them everything they needed to know about the software, uh, and they really didn't want to purchase support for anything because they would not change anything. They weren't intending to change anything or anything significant. And, and if you imagine, once the spacecraft is in orbit, you have some limited options about what you can do to change that. If you have a bug that is in your spacecraft software, how do you fix it? You do a software update. So it was, now it's more common. When we started, was it wasn't assumed that you were <laughs> able to do a software update. But it's very risky, right? If you do a whole, have to do a whole new um, update to the kernel or to uh, uh, the OS, that's a lot of risk. If you, if you make a mistake, that's it. That the thing's done, there's it's no, over. There's no, there's just, no come- just hold
0: down the reset button. You know, plugging it, plugging it back.
1: No, it's 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 gone. And so it is it is not something that that companies traditionally have been wanting to do, unless under the most dire situations. Right now, now we've gotten better. Our, our as an industry, we've gotten better at testing and our procedures and our backups on the system, so that there is a failure, we could do it. Uh, but especially at the time when we started that just wasn't the norm um very few companies have been building and architecting their system t- with the intent of updating the os so uh it there's some limitations right mm-hmm. there was some risk involved uh big big consequences and so anyway it was a very hard model to get in um um, and then these sell cycles. It was than we get into the business side, but the, you know, anyway, there, there's a lot going on uh, here. Uh, but anyway, open source uh, is still a part of us. There's still um, the that flight software, Kilcubo, still up on GitHub, and uh, I think the next launch it's on is is next month. I mean, it's still being used by people, even though we're not actively developing on it. Uh and so yeah, I think the next launch that someone's using it is uh next
0: month, I think. Nice, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And so I guess it, it really brings the 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 ultimate question, right? Before Major Tom, what did this stack look like? What was the what was the previous wow. solution that needed this to solve a problem? Yeah, and so
1: there was a couple of different flavors of this, but they all all were based around being on a, cl- a server in a closet there locally at your, your station. Um, and they were all focused on particularly one spacecraft. They were not going to handle a hundred spacecraft. They were really good at two, three, four maybe spacecraft. But if you were going to do more, they were really not going to be built for that. Uh, and they were expensive. You had to have the hardware uh, and you had to have the the... The, at least the skill set to to set up the hardware, um, manage that. Uh, and they were real particularly focused on, um, you know, again, this, this single use case, this single spacecraft. Um, and so that's really where we, as this industry started to move from big and expensive to lots of little, right? Um, we, it, the mission control didn't keep up, right? We couldn't scale the, the way that the industry was needing us to scale, uh, we couldn't be generic, right? We couldn't be spun up quickly, um, and we couldn't be updated very well. If it was in a hardware, if it was in the hardware over there in the corner, nobody wanted to touch it. But, so there was a lack of innovation, right? Satellites, as you deploy more satellites, you you continue to tweak and evolve them, right? There's different, different generations trying to push it, but your mission control stay flat. So we needed a way to to update uh, and upgrade the software to keep up with the demands and the needs of the ever-changing uh, system. So uh, that's really where we came in to fix. Um, so we we built it on uh, the cloud to give it that scale, to build it in a redundant, safe way. Uh, we have built it within mind of operating lots and lots of spacecraft. We've done further than that. So not only just operating a lot of the same kind of spacecraft, we, we designed it so you can operate a lot of very different types of uh, mission control systems, and then the other thing we've done is we've really gone out and integrated third-party services that you use in the ground. Best example is, is talk to a satellite, you need a physical ground station somewhere in the earth that, that is, will collect the uh, radio signal and also beam up the radio signal. Uh, and there's services you can uh, purchase, uh, you can r- basically rent by the minute of these ground stations. Um, and. We, it was always on the operator, our customers, to to spend the, the resources to integrate these systems. Um, and they were done poorly, they were done slowly, they were done costly. And so we've integrated these systems out of the box. So there's just a, a simple login and then you're integrated with these. So we're lowering barriers, we're going faster, we're developing, um, new features for our customers for these use cases that we can roll out and not have to like do a full new reboot of their entire system and lose, you know, valuable time on their spacecraft. So that's where we're coming
0: from. Well, this really becomes the value of centralizing and, and giving opinionated outcomes to like solving a problem because you can look at five customers and, then find the Venn diagram of crossover, and then start to merge the diagram a bit more. You start to see more commonalities, but they individually are building a standalone system for each part of the operation. It's just such a like. I, there was a point where we all had to do it. That, so there's always right. the first, you know, the first time someone built a car, you didn't start by building a factory. You started by putting a garage in and then building the bloody car. But eventually, yeah, someone right. goes hey, the guy down the street's building a car and I'm supplying parts to him and it looks like you guys use the same parts. You know, ah, okay. (laughs) Now we got something.
1: Uh, I mean, you're you're, you're right on. Well, One of the things that that we bring is the aggregation of all the different data sets. So we're not looking at actual people's data per se. What we're doing is anonymizing it so that we can better understand spacecraft operations right and really where we're trying to apply this is in the uh, communication optimization so uh, example you have 100 satellites orbiting the earth they're all moving around right they orbit every 90 minutes Um, and you have 10 ground stations across the globe right and the the, uh, the connection time between a, a satellite and a ground station is about 10 minutes, right? And so you've you got minimum windows, and they're always moving. These are walking orbits, right? If it flies over New York at 2 p.m. at th- you know, 3.30, it will be you know, 50 miles east of New York, right? The walking. And so what we are building is the optimization on how to communicate. And so we could tell our constellation, I want a picture of new york tomorrow at 1 p.m the major tom will say you need to send it to this ground station to this satellite at this time and get the data back down to optimize the network to the to get your data your command up there to tell the satellite what to do get the data down in an appropriate time um and really optimizing the network so we're moving away from spacecraft being these these pets that we love and are part of our family to cattle, right? To yeah. to herds, to big networks, right? We're really more network administrators than we are, you know, satellite operators. Uh, and that's the way we're moving the industry to adopt those practices uh, and apply them to the space environment.
0: Yeah. I would tell you, and when you get to the the numbers, it's pretty incredible if you think about what's what's up there in the different layers of atmosphere. And, and it's, uh, well, I, I, I saw something that was, it was kind of, I don't know. I'll say it's funny to me because I, I recognize this is such a like, you know, get off my lawn, you know, type of old person yelling at the clouds situation. Sure. It was like these photographers who are like, it's really bothering me trying to get, you know, night star photography sure. because there's all these, you know, these darn satellites floating around. And you're like, you know that the Internet that you're putting your awful angry tweet on is powered right. by those very little lights yeah, right. that you're complaining right. that are crossing your photograph right. in a time lapse.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, that's a really interesting conversation in the industry that we, we, we don't know what to do with yet, right? We're going to launch more satellites. We have to launch more satellites. We have to launch more infrastructure in space, not just satellites, but space stations and we have to build more habitats and we have to move out there and uh, yeah, but there's also some consequences to that, right? Uh, You know, um, not only with, you know, photography and and a nice guy and uh, that's, that's one, but there's also um, the, the risk of a collision, right? These things hitting each other and causing damage, right? There's, there's that risk. Um, There's the risk of, you know, I'm a big fan of the, 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 um, and I just went blank on what it is. The, the Apple, moon show, you know, from on Apple plus oh, anyway, uh,
0: for all mankind, <laughs> uh, for all mankind. Yeah, yeah. And
1: the militarization of space, right? This is, um, this is a thing that is not that far away from us. Right. Um, and so, you know, and then we got to get into governments and we got to get into laws and policies and treaties in space that we're not, you know, well equipped to deal with right now in our current geopolitical environment. And so it's, it's really, yeah, that's some fascinating things and some really hard decisions that are going to be have to be made uh, in the next 10 years to really set up our um, humanity to, to expand.
0: Yeah. The policy side of it is wild. And you think of, because like today we think of geography, like that's we're so just bound in geography even just the fact that like as a North American there's the raw arrogance that everything that most companies do is in English only and we base it on Eastern time zone and like it is it is just crazy that that's like the standard of belief as we head into just internationally on the earth we've got, a broad set of audiences that are so underrepresented and under acknowledged. And then like, we can't even argue over the height over a skyscraper that is considered owned real estate, you know, by that, that developer. What happens when you go a lot higher? <laughs> like, is it, does right. it belong to the country? Cause it's over North America. Does it belong to the country because it's over, you know, El Salvador. I, You know, you're, that's my satellite right now. Oh, okay. It's his satellite.
1: Yeah, right. Right, <laughs> right. You're passing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a
1: it's a, it's really it's really hard i think it's going to be solved and then you go to like the moon or mars and how do we break that up uh should we break it up should we not break it up right asteroids are the same way and different countries making different laws and not doing it as a planet as a as a as, as a as a entire group of people instead of just individually as our, our our own countries and so it's i think it's really interesting i i really do Um, And how do we solve these problems and who's going to take leadership in these problems um, Who's going to stick their neck out and want to talk about space policy, because because right now, it's not on the mainstream, right? It's not um, being talked about uh, at a high level with 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 people who could do anything about it. Right. It's just but it's it's a professor somewhere uh, arguing about it. And so uh, we need to bring that out. We need to talk about that. Anyway, I think, and, I think and it's, and yeah,
0: most people's exposure to this is just, they're like, is Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck available? And can Aerosmith do the soundtrack? Like that's, that's our right. understanding
1: of space right. for the most part. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, and America's saving the day. Right. Uh, and right. Uh, I, you know, that's not how this is going to work. I mean, I'll be, there are more countries over the last five years, gotten into space, becoming space-faring uh, countries than, than you know than there were ever, right? And so I mean, there's, you're seeing everybody come play. The countries that, that had never had a space program now can have a space program, yeah. and it's not just for the United States. It's not just for America. It it's a global space belongs to all, and so um, it it's really interesting. But there needs to be some structure. There needs to be. Because uh, really, if somebody's doing something with their satellite, how are you going to know that what they're doing, right? Or should you know, right? Do you even have a right to know? But that's a different thing. Um, And that's really fascinating to me. Uh, yeah, we could track where satellites are, but we can't always tell what they're doing. And sometimes by the behavior of the satellite, what it's doing, since I remember when I first got into the industry, there was a story about, and, in um, in geo, so so this is where um, the big communication satellites live, and they they they're locked to the spin of the Earth, so they always are focused on a particular spot over the Earth, right? Um, so they're they're locked in geostationary orbit, um, and these are very coveted spots. Like these are very big spacecraft. This is you know big spy stuff, um, encryption, military, but also other types of communications. And I remember there's this story about this Russian satellite just walking around out there uh, you know walking <laughs> around getting in between the communication channel and you can see it you knew it was a Russian satellite you knew what they said publicly we were the same way what we said publicly we weren't really saying what our satellite was doing and it was really interesting um and uh, I think this is going to become more and more um happening whether or not we hear about it or not but th- it's going to happen it's going to continue to happen
0: and especially just like, it's hard to imagine that if we go back to the days of, you know, before this decade is about is, you know, we commit to getting somebody on the moon and you're like, that's crazy talk. Now yeah. you're like, no one would even question. They're like, why aren't we already there? Like, why are we going back? <laughs> why do we stop go going? Right? Yeah. Uh, and the, yeah. I think the, the tough part we also see with, the sort of publicity of space, you know, touristing and stuff that's going on on the backside of that is an incredible amount of research. Like the work that you're, you're doing like that's, this enables incredible amount of real secondary effect stuff that's going on. And going on the moon wasn't about planting the flag. It was about learning about science beyond our earth. That's enabled an incredible amount of things that is just, we forgot we forgot that's what we did as a result of it even the sort of the, the 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 rich man space race that we've got going on right now the result of those advances will mean that as a government organization especially at least in the united states they'll save billions of dollars because of the work that's going on in commercial and private sector work and we all personally will feel that benefit because it means that we things will come that are advanced as a result of this work
1: yeah i, I it's so we do that in a, in a in a slightly different way but it's the same idea right we we borrow a lot of Technologies, best practices—not from the space world, but from the software world, from the yep. from the general, you know, from from what you know, Google and Facebook have developed as standard practices for how to develop large data sets and manage those data sets. Uh, and so, we are applying those just like um, that that Google had to develop in order to build theirs. We get to use in a space. It's all how this works, right? Um, and so. That is, uh, but you're exactly right. These, uh, the space race that's happening with, with Elon and Branson and, and, and uh, the other guy, Bezos, um, is, is ultimately going to be, at least to the industry, at least to, you know, from the economics, from going to be beneficial, right? They're, they're creating technologies and they're training people, right? Giving them new ideas. There's this whole like flood of uh, SpaceX employees. Not flood, flood's not the right word, but there's 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 a group of SpaceX employees who are spinning out new companies now, right? This is the this is the benefit of what, what he's really built is he built a big company to do something really amazing and trained and taught these engineers how to build really amazing things. And now those engineers are gonna go build amazing things for themselves and they're gonna create new companies. We, every major you know company has done this, and now we're gonna see it in the space. There just hasn't been anybody like break through that, right? We've all been government contractors, you know, working in you know, uh, classified missions and couldn't talk about anything. But now that's over, right? Now, now that's that's ending, and you're going to see a lot of like that's where the real next like push is going to come from, right? Um, SpaceX did has done amazing, great things. It very impressive and pushed the ball forward. But now you're going to see a different ball being pulled. Pour- kind of moved away. So they they really focused on solving launch and then getting people, you know, into space, uh, you know, in large bulk groups of people, mass uh, movement of people. Uh, The people coming out of SpaceX, the employees who are spinning up their own companies, I mean, we're we're not even sure what they're going to do yet. Uh, And it's going to be really fascinating what they do, right? You know, they already did this. They're going to do, you
0: know, think what else they can accomplish, right? When they they want to. That's it. And it's like, the accessibility of this stuff now is is huge right and and i i always enjoy you know everything we have now has like this sort of like ice cream flavors of like one scoop two scoop three scoop pricing structure like could you imagine you know say 10 years ago that you'd be able to say I'm going to create a mission control software that yeah, right. I can offer on the cloud in a distributed format, API accessible. And I'm going to be able to offer it at like pricing to you. It just would it, it it couldn't have been imagined that this was possible. And, and yet here you are.
1: Yeah. Well, 10 years ago, you know, who knows what I was doing 10 years ago. So that's <laughs> even, even crazier, right? Uh, I, don't, I don't even know what I was doing 10 years ago. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, uh, you know it's a there's just this pull and push in the industry, right? We're pushing the industry towards cloud adoption to using uh, borrowing from the uh, you know software industry into space to to move the industry forward, move innovation forward there's still there's still resistance to that, right? Um, um, the truth of the matter is while we've talked a lot about commercial, Entities and commercial business models in space really taking off the largest payer of space services and applications is the US government, right? It's that's the largest payer, and so it's still uh driven by requirements in that very waterfall manner. Um, and so we uh, we're pushing. That's what we're trying to do: educate, move the industry in a different direction, so that we can we can continue to innovate faster and not be put in these boxes that that were built for 1960s technology and practices. Now we can move it forward. Um, but uh, yeah, there's this really interesting pull. The commercial companies. When I go talk to a commercial company about using Major Tom, you know, they get it. They understand what we're doing, and we're moving forward. Them when I go talk to you know the Air Force about it. I don't know. You know, maybe they get it, maybe they don't. And so there's an education that's happening still in the industry about what, not, you know, not just what we're doing, but what, what is a bigger picture. You know, Microsoft and Amazon have, over the last couple of years, really put a, a, their money where their mouth is and got in this space and are building in space, building services in space, educating the space industry. So it's coming. The cloud is coming to the space market, um, which we're, we're – Part of the leaders of that movement.
0: Now, when it comes to that sort of like ideal customer, this is a really interesting one because you have yeah. a very unique uh, customer set. What does the profile of somebody that you, not your average person, goes and fills out a form for a free <laughs> ebook and then and then you you ring yeah. them up with an SDR, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're not
1: doing TikTok ads, uh, yeah. so you know we're not. Yeah, you know, there is. Um, not yet anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. So our customers are, you know, there's different ways to chop up, you know, or, or categorize our customers. Our customers are very educated people who are very passionate and motivated and technical. Um, and, uh, which means they're not really interested in fluff and marketing design and they're not they want to know about the they really want to know what's underneath in the details and the architecture of our system um and so we 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 have to provide that we have to be technically proficient in our software to explain it to our customers um and so that that is something that is not unique to our industry but it's it's part of what our industry is right Made of technical engineers who are running, who who um who have a lot of say in what technologies get implemented on their missions. Uh, past that, uh, you know, most of our our people are not software engineers too. Most of our customers are electrical or mechanical, uh, or, um, engineers of system engineers. They're not software engineers, so they're we have to make sure we're designing Major Tom in a way that it's accessible. To non-software engineers, right? So we have APIs, we have uh, some customizations you can do with our system. We have to make sure that we're building that so that it's accessible by someone who doesn't know how to code, um, which uh, which is great, which is which is just acknowledgement of who our customers are, right? It's not unusual to go to a space company and they not have a software engineer on, on staff. That's changing. It's becoming more. Um, uh, uh, prevalent in the industry that we have uh, software engineers uh, on staff but it's not it's not the it's not a guarantee and so we have to build major tom in that way from a different angle our customers you know really what we're doing right now from a, like a mission perspective is um, we're really going after two buckets the first one is is new companies who are wanting to launch lots of satellites to do some sort of business application right um, or even if it's not, even if it's a government program, just wants to build lots of satellites, wants to go quickly, uh, wants to scale, wants to be able to update and manipulate and configure and integrate it into their system, right? So they don't have an architecture uh, for their ground segment really, does, uh, at least established yet. Uh, so that's where we really fit in really well and start building out the architecture around Major Tom's APIs. The other segment is is actually the exact opposite. It's those who are running long-term missions in space uh, who are wanting to lower their costs, right? It's gotten too expensive to have the, the server farm or whatever over here. It's gotten too expensive to maintain this twenty fifteen year old software application that nobody else supports anymore. Um, and so there's a whole lot of risk that it goes down or there's some sort of issue, Um and then, obviously, COVID is, is changing the mindset of where we need to do work, right? Uh, a lot of these older programs, you had to be in that office only. And and now, that is is changing. And so, Major Tom really can insert itself in there. And so... We are lowering the cost by moving it to a cloud architecture, pay-as-you-go type thing. We don't have the; they don't have to deal with the infrastructure from a hardware standpoint. We host it all, um, and then it gives you that flexibility of remote access to your spacecraft, um, and so. That's another where we're going and using the flexibility of how we design the back end, we can really insert ourselves into pre existing infrastructure as opposed to building a new one around us, we can we can be flexible enough to integrate the two big buckets new new ventures. And uh, those who are actually the exact opposite older ventures who are trying to more economically driven, right, or reducing the risk because they have a single point of failure.
0: Yes. In the world of tech, I often, you know, we use the phrase legacy and I always joke, Uh. you call it legacy. I call it production. Like this Uh. is, this is stuff that can't go away. But like you said, wrapped around a traditional architecture littered with single points of failure. So, and they've basically built it so it can be asynchronous. We've got opportunities and then you build the right abstraction in front of it. And this is what's neat. Now, when we talk about abstractions and cloud can, cloud as an architecture, it's fantastic because now we can basically trust that you, you know, are gonna do more than just fire all your services in a US East one on AWS, <laughs> like most people yeah. do. Whatever people say to me, like, yeah, we're using the cloud for resiliency. As to how many regions are you using? Sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, right, right, right. oh no 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 you see you you when when Route 53 goes away the whole kit goes down like like it's like um, we see these weird little things you're like i don't understand sure. what just happened we all of my caching just went away all of this all these sites went down around the world you're like what happened somebody was just like they, they typed in a bad command on on some software update so you've got the ability that you can architect for scale resiliency versus the traditional architecture people that they should be focusing on their outcomes, their business, their what they want to do with their hardware, that now they can say, hey, Tyler has a lot of customers that care about this. So if Tyler gets it wrong, a lot yeah. of people get angry versus if I get it wrong, I'm just the only one that's at fault.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we... From our world, we, we take we have to take it one step further, considering those. Um, so we still are governed under export control. So so we live in a um, in a in a, an evolving policy space. Uh, so uh, you know, like everything else, we're governed under the Commerce Department on export control, which is, is what it is. We're also under certain situations governed under the State Department. Uh, under the ITAR regulations about arms traffic. Um, and that's a whole different level of scrutiny and, and consequences, to be frank with you. Um, and so we do run an ITAR secure clouds, which does, um, you know, we use uh, Microsoft's right now um, that we've built on top of the Azure government cloud. Um, we also let in the public cloud. We also can and have done air gap. Now that, That is a little bit of anti what I am saying. Um, And the reason is, is because I described this push and pull in the industry and I have to live in this industry. And so while I'm pushing the industry forward with cloud adoption and using best practices and and moving this way, there are still missions that that need Major Tom from just a pure feature standpoint, but need and have to have it in a military encrypted, sorry, uh, air gap environment. And so we do deploy in those environments. It's not something we particularly like doing. Um, And it's not, you are losing some of the benefits of what we built, but our feature set for the satellite operators in particular for the actual day-to-day operations, not just the infrastructure, not just the architecture, but the actual features are valuable enough on their own that they're willing to use it without the cloud infrastructure. So we, we run in lots of environments, um, for better or for worse, we do have uh, non-U.S. customers who prefer to have their stuff not in the U.S. They don't want the data in the U.S., so we have to do EU deployments. Um, that works better for us because the data is not actually coming in and then back out of the United States. We trigger export control. Uh, so um, that the where things live and what environments and deployments, um, it's a, it's a Constant challenge that we have uh, with with trying to make sure that we're all on the same deployments, that we're all being upgraded at the same time, that we're all maintaining it, Um, and uh, yeah, that can get that can that that's one of the the challenges that we face kind of on a regular basis.
0: Well, I'll say it's the the economies of scale are one thing and also the economy of innovation at scale right so like every organization that would come to you they would have to do this from ground up that's right and and so you 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 have a vested interest in becoming particularly good at doing stuff at scale versus they're just trying to solve a specific problem and then having to build architecturally around the infrastructure to support that problem it's such a you're, you are truly this sort of the cloud computing of mission control because you can say like, you don't need to care about where it is. Obviously, we do and we can, you, you have to be transparent about that. Yeah. But they don't have to run it. They don't have to right. have this network operation center with 25 TVs and people up 24-7 watching screens and listening to bleeps and yeah. boops and wondering what's going wrong
1: yeah that's that's right um and and some of our customers still choose to have those 25 tvs and everything going on uh they like it but they also want the benefit of what we're bringing um so yeah that, that really moves into you know we've talked about the kind of the architecture into the actual like the the application itself uh you know we rely heavily on automating a lot of these processes so that we don't have to have person sitting at a monitor 24-7 because satellites don't sleep, right? They don't take holidays. Uh, They're always constantly collecting and uh, transmitting data down to Earth. And there has to be a system in place to collect that, right? Uh, And so Major Tom can fly. It can be your autopilot, right, Uh, for these satellites um, where you used to have to have teams, 24-7 operations. We can now uh, reduce that human intervention that costs from uh, both from the employee standpoint, but from the individuals, you know, nobody wants to be up at 2 a.m. flying a satellite, right? That, that's not a sustainable model. So um, that's really where we're moving into the application side, giving these tools and automation, uh, both from internally the major Tom, but also giving you the APIs to automate your own workflows uh, for operations. And so uh, that's, I think, that's really another angle that we're coming at this problem at
0: the It's funny that i've because you've been very focused on this is where you where you run, right this is where you operate. there's no edge in any of the nomenclature around what you're doing because you are truly sort of the cloud like mission Control is the cloud for the edge payloads, the, the actual workloads that are physically swimming around in orbit, but it's funny that everybody's kind of like. I call it the edification. Like, it's really just everybody's taking anything to do. And like, these glasses, they're edge glasses now. Like, it is everybody is just like latching onto it. First of all, thank you for not just jamming yeah. edge all over your website to like try and be exciting to the edge world, not no. to distract from them. All of my amazing no. friends who are into the edge. But <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, where, do, where do you see that? sort of next layer of compute coming and, and is it something that you're interested in as a, as a company? Yeah. So
1: we, we have thoughts around this and, and trying to understand what our role is in this, this wave that's happening. Right. I think, I think one, one way that we're, we're looking at it is we're, as we continue to develop Major Tom, and we continue to build out new capabilities, um, being able to optimize this network right for communication that we've talked about. What, what? At a higher level, I think one thing we're trying to do, which I don't know if this completely answers your question, but fine, it's, uh, it's, is, 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 is erase the differences between space and ground right? That it's all just one network. It doesn't matter if your satellite, or if you have a server down here, or you have an IoT node in the Sahara, it's all just a network. And uh, erasing the, that there has to be this some sort of division, right from a network perspective. Uh, and so we're trying to move the reliability and the communication of space to where we have on the ground so that We can run edge processes anywhere, whether it's on the earth or on the ground, be able to ship these things around, manage this from this perspective. There's also a lot of push right now for um, satellites become smarter. Right. That they're not just simple machines, effectively. Right. Really complicated, simple machines. Right. We want it to be intelligent. We want them to make decisions on their own uh, and not be dictated from the ground. Right. That's a movement that's happening. Uh, so getting the compute power on the spacecraft to allow it to do the computation, uh, apply the AI or machine learning in real time at the data source, and then be able to you know, make decisions and, and execute from that without ground interference. Um, so there's really two trains of thoughts on that. There, we've, we've looked at, because of our experience in flight software, we, we know how to go play in the satellite world, right? We know how to go put stuff on orbit. Um, and there's there's an element of that that long term that that has potential there if you own if you or sorry if you control the satellite software and the ground software it's a really powerful ecosystem that we're building um and so using containers we can really push uh you know at least the security profile at least uh the new application on the spacecraft and allow major tom to manage that system uh, so we're looking at where we fit into this whole thing. It's still new, you know. We have different restraints with compute power on orbit with, with just you know actual energy, right? Um, and so these are on constant fighting, and then it's the heat that they create and getting distributed. so there's a there's a lot more complications. So it's not as fast evolving as it is on Earth. But it is there. It, you're definitely going to see space companies with edge computing all over their websites. We're not one of them, but uh, there are there are those companies. And so, um, where we are, we're working with our customers, understanding their needs, what they're doing, so that we can be uh, a part of their ecosystem moving forward.
0: Well, the irony is that. You effectively were were like you're like edge hipsters. You were there before yeah. it was cool. Like Cubo OS, yeah. in effect, is the edge sure. OS, right? Like you could That's almost right. say you're tagging to be. We've been to the edge and back, right? It's like because you realized the the problem that you could have the most impact in solving was was that mission control, right? Like this is where like you but you've understood the other side you understood the the payload you understood the edge requirement and that allows you to be so focused and you know very pragmatic and fanatical on solving this problem with major tom so that down the road when someone says hey you know we've we want to take this a little bit further and we want to move it to a, a another location you do air gap. You yeah. do all these things. You've you've had to think that stuff out and execute on it. It's pretty amazing that the the company could go in interesting places for sure.
1: Yeah, we 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 have the technology and the experience to go in a lot of different ways. You know, right now in the in the you know short term, we are we are all steam ahead on Major Tom right, building this product to really manage the ground infrastructure for your spacecraft operations so this is where we are Uh, where we go in the future you know we have a lot of different visions uh, that we want to see come to reality Um, and it's pretty exciting that what we can do software is really going to um, to give new life to these missions to this hardware once you launch the hardware that's what it is well, software, we can constantly, when we build that infrastructure uh, and do it in a safe way, we, could, we can give new life and new missions to old hardware. Uh, and I think that's going to change things. There's a, there's a case to be made that they're just new server farms in space, right? Uh, Amazon's just going to move all their, you know, AWS the ultimate to space, outpost. right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, you don't care if it's on Earth or it's in space as long as we can increase that communication. To make the latency go away uh but anyway there's complicated problems big problems to stall here and where major tom fits in, in the future you know we're we're focused on communication uh, communication bandwidth um optimization that's always going to be a huge problem with fcc frequency uh, allocations moving forward you know people experimenting with laser communications uh this you know satellite to satellite communication is now a thing that's happening and so we, we I personally believe that the, the communication bottleneck that's going to be happening here, that we're already filling the squeeze of, is a major place that we want to plant our flag, that we're part of this solution. We're part of the optimizing and, and really uh, the communication channels of this network.
0: Most people would just even think about that and they would get out of the business. You, <laughs> you chose you've chosen some hard problems to solve and a, I wouldn't say a hard or a difficult or challenging, but like making it commercially viable. This is a pretty incredible thing that you and the team have taken on. What, what made you think this is a problem I need to solve and I think we can do it. Well, yeah, well, so
1: Cuba, is how we got in the industry. We, we my, partner really had the idea for the flight software because he built satellites and he was trying to integrate these different subsystems that were built by different manufacturers to talk to each other and they weren't standardized across any sort of platform or and and so he had to build it all from scratch right uh and he's there's a better way we could build a better system that already is integrated with these systems or make it easier to integrate these systems Uh, so that's where CubeOS came from when we when we Spent time in the industry, understanding the customers and our partners in this industry, we realized there was a huge need for how they were doing operations. There was a need for uh, the scalability, for new um, new practices, new architectures, um, new development speeds that, that we weren't seeing. Um, and so we saw an opportunity to to build Major Tom. We had the networks, we had the relationships to. Uh, present this product uh quickly to people and and so we did um and we've had uh success doing that so far and so that that you know i didn't come from the space industry and so i had to really dive in and learn it uh kind of from from an outsider's perspective and uh you know operations so look at this right so you have Three major phases of a spacecraft life, right? You have the development phase where you're building it, designing it, building the spacecraft, testing the spacecraft. Then you have a launch, right? That's a big moment of, of itself. And then you have operations. Uh, out of the three, the longest time period is operations, right? Um, the, but which one's more costly? What What's the most expensive bucket? And so uh, it used to be development and launch were the most expensive bucket. So, uh, The world, uh, the industry created CubeSats, they created uh, also Moore's Law, created cheaper components and and faster components. So we lowered the cost of development uh, significantly. Obviously, SpaceX has come in and focused on launch problem and lower that. But other companies like Rocket Lab have come in and, and done this to lower the cost of launch and the reliability and the speed of launch cadences. But no one's touched operations. Operations is still this long-term expensive bucket. And now it's disproportionately more time and money than the other two buckets. So that's really where we're trying to solve. We do have tools for um, development and testing, but we're we're really looking at lowering that so that if we lower all the costs of the entire life cycle of the spacecraft, then uh, we will make space more accessible. And, and while that's kind of a token thing right now that people want to democratize space uh it's kind of almost becoming cliche to say uh the truth is uh if we can get the price down right this is going to increase development if we use skill sets that already exist in the world like software engineering is a huge skill set that has changed our world completely. And if we apply it to space, if we give them more accessibility to to these skill sets, see what else we can do. There are more software engineers entering space, uh, more software engineers building software uh, or building co- software companies in space. So it's this great
0: Anyway, that's what it's we're a doing. beautiful, <laughs> empowering loop. Right. And, and yeah. if you don't mind, I mean, we got a few minutes left. I want to touch on, on tech mill and oh, like, uh, okay. the ecosystem and, and your participation, because you're, you, like you said, you didn't, you weren't born in the space, you know, race, but you're in it now as an entrepreneur. Yeah. What are the ways that you see excitement in that startup community and, and where we can give back?
1: Yeah, so so Tech Mill, um, so Tech Mill started before Cubos. It was a nonprofit in the town in Texas where I was living. Uh, it was it was a bunch of technology and and entrepreneur enthusiasts got together and, and decided we need to create some sort of uh, organization nonprofit to help other entrepreneurs give give at least a community feel to it so we did events it was actually the first uh, co-working in our town uh started a coffee shop and we moved to an actual co-working space and it spun off and done its own thing um that's actually where i met my partner who started cubos with he was the president of that organization i was the treasurer and we started working that's how we met that's how we started working together uh obviously oh, wow. cubos cubos was born um out of tent mill to some degree and so um uh, it's a nonprofit that's still existing. They do a uh, lot more, like, developer evangelists, education, community, building a community of people who are interested in tech, who are interested in startups. Uh, I, when Cubos was taking off, when getting traction, I, I stepped down from the board of TechMills so I could focus on uh, Cubos. Uh, and I'm now uh, no longer in Texas. I've actually moved to Portland, Oregon at this point. So, uh Ted Mills still doing great, but I don't have any involvement in it and haven't in a couple of years. But it
0: is amazing. If you think of, of communities of purpose uh, and yeah. there are so many out there, it's, it is a beautiful thing. Like ultimately you are exactly the success path that any community of purpose should have is that you shouldn't be running it for 30 years, like a lifelong member. If you can contribute and, sure. and be a part of it, it's one thing, but you ultimately create something you sort of parachute yeah. out of it into a new thing and prove that the value was there. And then somebody else says, Hey, check it out. Tyler you used to be guy, you're our You guy. Yeah. <laughs> and now that's gives them something to aspire for. Right. Yeah. I mean, Ted was a really interesting point
1: in my life. I was coming out of another company that I just shut down. Was it technology driven? It was, it was a service-based company. And I was looking to get into tech, uh, and, and it wasn't space per se. I was looking to get into tech and I needed new networks and I needed new people to meet, uh, than the, what I had been exposed to. And so, you know, tech mill, I went to a, uh, just a community event, uh, being put on about people just wanting to share big ideas, right? Or big, it doesn't, doesn't matter the context. And I went there and they talked about, uh, creating this conference for, uh, technology people for, for software engineers and they were looking for volunteers to help run a conference and i volunteered uh and so i think that's a really great line in my my life is that i'm not afraid to do things i don't know how to do uh i didn't know how to run a conference but i jumped in anyway that led me to start a non which i didn't know how to run uh and it led me to meet marshall to build a space company that i didn't know anything about space uh and so i it, it's just a continuation but you're right so Tetmill has thrived and has done a lot of great things and supported a lot of different startups a company cubos being one of them um so we we have a special place in our heart for for Techmill, but you know that is really what it's supposed to do you know it's supposed to incubate a little bit give you some resources and connections and then kick you
0: out <laughs> like you go 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 build. Uh, <laughs> that's right
1: that's right uh, so that's what we did. I did it with myself, uh, and so that that worked out has worked out so far.
0: Yeah, this is uh, yeah, and and those things are out there, and I think for folks that are listening to, it's just a reminder that like there are great communities of of purpose like that that you can go out and whether it's uh, whatever it is, they're they're out yeah. there, and and it's a it's very very helpful at least just to find people of the birds of a feather sort of opportunity. Sure. And it, it it gives you a chance to share your ideas, to vet them out with people, and if nothing, you just meet amazing people. Right? And I, yeah. obviously, the in-person thing has you know the lack of in-person opportunity has drastically changed how we develop and, and nurture these communities because it's a lot harder like we're tired True. of staring at bloody zoom screens and, and right. know, everything all day long so the last thing you want to do is like hey I spent all day on zoom meetings I'm going to go to a three hour evening zoom session with people You're like oh, it's it's I yeah. hope that we get to the other side of this all soon and we can get back to those things and you'll see a lot of interesting stuff come out
1: yeah yeah I completely agree with you um It's been a challenge, but yeah.
0: uh, So I guess for folks that that want to find out more and want to get connected to you, Tyler, obviously we'll have links to, uh, you know, first of all, you know, there's so much that's going on and and I didn't even talk about like the super launch sequence you've had. August was a huge month for you. You've got customers that are doing incredible stuff. I I feel bad that I didn't open with that because I was excited on your behalf for all of the Uh the stuff that you were involved in and yeah. it, that that's, that's really cool. But for folks that yeah. want to get connected, how, what's the best way to do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you could, our website is, is www.cubos.com. Uh, so that's a great place. We also have a podcast there that you can listen to. We're interviewing other, uh, our customers or our employees, you know, in, in giving you an insight into kind of, uh, pushing the cloud adoption in our industry. um, and uh yeah that's a great i'm on twitter if that's a thing but i don't i don't talk a lot so <laughs> uh, but i'm there uh so yeah those our websites the best place to get a hold of us
0: and students as well right there's a great opportunity you've got the the academic access path yeah. so there's different ways that that's people right. can get involved which is which is pretty cool so that's exactly right. thank you for yes. doing all that you do
1: yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for for having me, giving me the opportunity to speak to your audience and share my story and what uh, Cubos is doing. I think we're we're really in an interesting you know, place right now.
0: Onward and upward. It's going to be. Uh, I'm excited to see the future. We've got a lot of good stuff Excellent. ahead. Thanks very much, Tyler. Yeah, thank you, Eric.